handout as well, uh, and it's also going to be on the screen. So we've got many ways for you to see the passage that we're looking at, because I want you to remember, even though I'm preaching, the most important thing that we're looking at is God's Word, and I want you to really understand the passage, and my whole intent this morning is that when you go home, you will understand this passage and know what God is speaking to you from His Word, not, not if... Pastor John said something funny, or if I told a good story, I want you to know this passage. And so Romans chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse number 1, and like I said, it's up on the screen, it's there in your handout. Uh, The Bible says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ." and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that you've given us each a place and a purpose in your plan, God. That you've given us value where there was none before. I pray, Lord, that you just help us to see from your word this morning that you have a very specific plan for each and every one of us. And I pray that you would just help our church as a body, Lord, to come together and to fulfill the pieces that you've put here so that we can do what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you just bless the service this morning. Be with my words, help them to be clear, and help your word to shine through what you have given me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to just give three quick points this morning, and the whole goal is for us to answer a very simple question. The question's here at the top. Is there a place and purpose for me in this world? And you'll see it here on the screen as well. Is there a place and purpose for me in this world? And that's our question. That's what we're going to endeavor to answer. Is there a place Is there a purpose? Do I fit? And the reason I'm asking this, obviously I spend a lot of time with kids and I spend a lot of time with teenagers. And the perspective I get from kids and teenagers is most mistakes that we make are with a goal to fit a certain stereotype or fit fit a certain label that we want to be or to be accepted by a certain group that we want to be with. In fact, my daughters, I'll use them for example, the biggest insult one of my daughters can say to one of my other daughters is, you're just a girly girl. Now, why that's such a negative thing, I'm not sure. But they've decided that there are two kinds of girls. Tomboys, which they all want to be, and girly girls, which is the worst thing ever. Unless you're Mariah, she's okay with that. She will be a girly girl and not mind at all. But the older two... If you, t- if you call them a girly girl, it's, it's fighting time. You better, you better be ready because they're coming at you. And the reason that they do that, and, and we work with them regularly, is that they think I have to be this or I have to be that. I remember in high school, I can remember growing up, 
and being a uh, player on the football team. And I remember the most trouble I ever got into was when I started doing some dumb stuff that I didn't even want to do, but the other guys on my team said, well, when we win a game, this is what we go do. So, well, I'm a football player. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go do that. And I wish that someone would have told me, I don't have to be just a football player, right? My daughters don't have to be just girly girls or just tomboys or just basketball players. Our kids in our church don't have to be just intellectuals or just athletes or just this or just that. We are made very specifically for the purpose that God's made us. So those three points I want to talk to you. The first one is this, is that you're different on purpose. You're different on purpose. It's not an accident that you were made the way that you were made. It's not by mistake that you are exactly who you are. You're different on purpose. And we're going to look at a couple verses here, verse 4 and 5, to back that up. It says, for just as we have many members in one body. Okay, so I want you to realize here it's telling you, just like your body has arms and ears and eyes and feet and toes and spleen, singular, I almost said spleens. You don't get more than one of those. Uh, you have lungs. You have a heart. Just like that, in our church, we have all these pieces too. So we're given a parallel here that the body of Christ, or else what we're talking about here, the church, who we are, collectively as the local body, but then also universally as God's body on earth, the church, those that believe and know God, are paralleled with our physical body. You say, well, what difference does that make? What is he talking about? Imagine this. Let's say that you find out you're expecting a baby, and it's going to be nine months, and you decide, you know what, I don't even, I don't even want to see the ultrasound. We're just going to go, and that morning the baby's going to come, and we're going to know what it is then. And the doctor, you deliver the baby, and the doctor says, oh, congratulations, it's a pile of ears. Right? How exciting. Yes, ears are wonderful things, and, and, and you might even think, well, at least you could hear really well. But the truth is you couldn't. If you just were an ear, and there was no eardrum, there were no bones inside the ear, there were no nerves to carry those electrical impulses, there was no brain to process that, there was no body to respond to it, that ear is worthless. It can't even hear. It's just a flap of skin. Or imagine this. Let's go a step further. Ears are kind of ugly. I get that. But we would easily say probably the most beautiful part of the human body would be the eye. The most painted, the most drawn, the thing that is the most unique about an individual is their eyes. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we had a visitor walk in, or roll in, let me say, the doors fly open, and it's just a giant eyeball rolling down the aisle, none of us are going to be excited. In fact, we're probably going to have screaming, running out the doors, what is that thing, there's a monster here. Because listen, one part of the body is not valuable. It's not beautiful. It's not important. Just one part of the body, even if that part of the body is the brain, you got a brain on a table, it's not doing much. You have a heart on a table, it's not doing much. You have a tongue without the other parts of the body, it's not doing much. That's why God, it, it, that's why God didn't just let us be Christians in a bubble. God said that we are a church because all of our pieces are important. Whether you feel important or not, you are important because God put you here in his body. So we see that the body is paralleled with our physical bodies. But not only that, our differences are tailored for the purpose that God has planned for us. Let me repeat that. Our differences are tailored for the purpose that God has planned for us. Right? So your eyes can receive light and process that light because God knew we needed to be able to see. Right? 
just like that within our church body, some of you like to talk. That's good. I'm one of those. I understand. I'm in that boat. I like to talk. That's good. God made me that way so I could talk to people. So when people walk in the door, they don't just stand there thinking, well, nobody likes me. No one's going to talk to me. Some of us like to talk. Some of us are introverted. And you don't really like to talk, but you're really good at details. You're really good at organization. You're really good with technology. You're really good with different things that God's put skills in your life to do. Some of you just like to serve, just like to give, just like to be a part of behind the scenes. All of that is good because if we were all just an eye, or if we were all just an ear, or if we were all just a tongue, we couldn't get anything accomplished. But I want you to understand something. That means that you are like a piece in a puzzle, okay? And I want you to consider something. I'm going to use a little bit of a story to illustrate this. Leah hates it. Usually when it's a story, it has to do with her. She's right. Sorry, I'm about to lose my ear thing. There we go. Let me switch it back here. Maybe that'll be the last time. We'll see. We'll see. That's why, Dave just said, that's why I use this one. But um, anyway, <laughs> I thought I had bigger ears. Maybe I'd be okay, but we'll see if I will be or not. But I want to use an example. So, so Leah... Before we lived here, many of you know we lived in New England. Now, if you don't know anything about New England, you know this. There's snow and there's cold. Now, the problem with that with Leah is that Leah was born in Georgia. The worst winter she ever experienced before, well, as a child was like, we got two inches and it stayed two days. The whole town shut down and nobody could get out. We all thought we were going to die. Now, the first year we lived in Worcester, Massachusetts... They got a record number. I think it was something like 149 inches of snow. So I want, you, I want to give you a picture. I wish I'd have brought the picture with, you, with me. I'm 6'2", and I used to drive a Ford Expedition, a tall car. I had a picture of me plowing out our yard with our snowblower, and the snow was over my head and two feet on top of the car. Now, there was a drift there, obviously, but that's a lot of snow. Now, this is the same place Leah had to walk out on Sunday morning because I'll tell you, she didn't leave any other time of the week. Sunday morning, she had to walk out down the stairs, and she usually had Caitlin um, in, a, in a carrier. Caitlin was real little at the time. She had to walk down this walkway, walk over here, and get in the car. Well, one Sunday, I remember specifically, Leah had this pair of boots that were like these kind of riding boots. The problem with those, if you've ever been in the snow, is they're flat. There's nothing, there's nothing to grab the snow. And I said, those aren't good boots. You need to wear your other boots. They're not pretty. I need to wear these ones. Okay, well, wear what you want to wear. We get out to the yard. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the car already, warming up the car. Leah's coming out with Caitlin. She's about to put her in the car. All the other kids are in there, and I see a look of fear hit Leah's face. Because one foot is planted firmly on gravel, but she's already taken a big step onto ice. And so slowly... This foot is slipping, and I can see the look in her face like, I don't know what to do. I've never had to deal with this situation before in my life. And so she slowly went all the way to splits, okay? And she was sitting there, and it was too, I couldn't get to her in time to help her up. And then she didn't know what to do from there and just flopped over on her side, set the baby down, rolled over, got up, got in the car, and we left. I'll just tell you this. That was the last time that Leah went out, if she didn't have to, for a very long time, until all the snow melted, which that year was mid-April. So we're talking from February to April, Leah went to church and then stayed home. Well, Leah developed this love for puzzles, almost an obsession with puzzles. We had these puzzles that were Disney puzzles, and she wanted to put them together. They were thousand-piece puzzles. And I can remember the first time she completed one. 
completed one. She had all of it put together. All the pieces we had were in the puzzle, and there were about six holes in the puzzle. And I can remember the anger and the frustration. She had already bought the glue to glue the puzzle together and was going to frame it and put it on the wall, and it was missing pieces. Well, obviously, you know, you just go ahead and glue it and stick it up on the wall, right? No, it's not complete. It's missing pieces. I want to tell you something. The same thing's true about our church. If you are not filling the hole that you're meant to fill, we're incomplete. Let me tell you something. We can never reach the potential that God's put in our church body to reach if you don't fulfill the hole that God's placed you here to fill. You say, well, I'm not good at speaking, or I'm not good at this, or I'm not good at that. There are things in our church for everybody every personality, every skill set. If you can imagine it, imagine it, there's a job to do it. There are folks in our church that fold the bulletin every week. There are folks in our church that input uh, names into the graveyard. Russ, I feel for you. Let me tell you, you should appreciate Russ. If you, don't, if you know nothing about this graveyard back here, the cemetery that we have, Russ, his life, here's, here's Russ's life. Get up, start typing names into the book, eat, eat dinner, go to sleep, Get up, start typing names into, into the cemetery book. And he's doing a great job. But there, you know what? Russ just said, I can do this job. I know how to do this job. Let me fill my hole in the piece of the puzzle. You know, he didn't have to get up in front of anybody and speak. He didn't have to sing, although, you know, he can if he wants to. He didn't have to do anything that required any great deal of embarrassing uh, exposure or, or any great deal of skill. It just was a willingness to be a part of what God was doing. Let me tell you something. There is a place for you. And if you're not filling that place, we're a puzzle with a big gaping hole. You know, even that puzzle, even if it was just a, a patch of grass, you know, a patch of grass is not that big a deal unless you don't have it, right? Unless it's missing. And I want to show you the other side. So, that, so the church needs you, but on the res- reverse of that, you need the church. I want you to think about this. Now, for weeks after Leah finished that puzzle, she went on a search and rescue mission. Those puzzle pieces were going to be found, and she was scouring the house looking for six puzzle pieces in our house. And when she found a puzzle piece, everybody in the house knew, oh, I found one, I found one, I found one. She'd come running to the kitchen table, dinner table, by the way, which had been taken over by puzzles, and we had to eat somewhere else. And she would bring that piece, and if it matched, man, that was a good day. But when it didn't match... Stupid puzzle. Stupid puzzle piece. And I want you to understand this. If you think about a lost puzzle piece, all right? So last time you found just a random puzzle piece in your house, where did it go? A special safe for safekeeping to make sure that it never gets lost. No, it went in the trash, didn't it? Straight to the trash. Now I want you to see this. You have a piece in this puzzle that God's put you in. But when you step away from the puzzle... You start to forget the value that you had in the first place. If you never step back into the puzzle, if you never step back into the big picture of what God's doing with you and what God's purposed for you, you start to feel worthless. You start to look at yourself and say, why? Why am I bad at this and good at this? Why in the world, God, why did you make me the way that you made me? Why did you do the things that you did? And I'm going to steal an illustration from Pastor Dave, in fact. I want you to hold your hand up, and I know that most of you have heard this before. Actually, hold two hands up. And I want you to realize this is God's body, okay? This is the church. Now, Dave used this to illustrate a husband and wife, but it works just as well 
in God's body, the church. And I want you to think about this. The points are your strengths, and the, and the, the crevices here are your weaknesses, right? Strengths, weaknesses, strengths, weaknesses, strengths, weaknesses. And then God puts you in a body in the church, and the church has other people that are going to have strengths and weaknesses and strengths and weaknesses. And when you step into the body, okay, and you put those fingers together, you now have a working gear where other people's strengths fit your weaknesses, right? Your weaknesses are filled in by others' strengths, and God didn't do that by accident. God brought you here to fulfill a very specific purpose. Being a member of this church is not just coming on Sunday and listening. That's not it. It's not just coming and, uh, you know, well, I come on Sunday, I come on Wednesday, I come on Sunday night, I come to Sunday school. That's really good. But if you're not stepping into the piece of the puzzle that God created you to be, if you're not participating in our church and thereby participating in the gospel, we're missing a piece. You say, well, I, I still just don't feel that important. It's because you haven't stepped into that role. You haven't plugged in. You haven't been put into that puzzle. Because the puzzle that God's created here is our church is a beautiful thing. But we need you to fill that piece. You're made different to fill that spot. And that's what the Bible says here. He says that we're just like a body, but we can't all be the same part. We're different parts because we all are needed. Not only are our differences tailored to the purpose God has planned for us, also, we are not meant to fit labels or stereotypes. We are meant to be individuals. I want you to understand something. The way, at the interests and the desires and the weaknesses and the failures and the strengths and the personality traits that God made you with are there on purpose. Let me tell you something. I am not a stereotypical guy. I, I just have to tell you the story. It was about five years ago. I permanently lost my man card. I, I, I'm sorry, I did. Guys, I know you're going to be ashamed. But I lost my man card. Here's what happened. My family, which if you don't know, consists of four girls, four daughters, my wife, our female dog, and me. So I'm, I'm severely outnumbered. You have to give me a little bit of pity here. It's, it's, it's six on one in counting the dog. And mom, when she comes back, makes it seven to one. Luckily, she brings back her male chihuahua, so we've got a little bit more masculinity. It's two on seven then. But this was before mom moved in. This is when we lived in New England. We'd gone, and we'd picked apples, and, and everybody was tired. I was tired. I was watching football. It was a Saturday, and I, I realized it was about midnight on a Saturday night, and I looked down, and I was the only one in the house awake, and I was wearing an apron covered in flour, and I was making apple pies. And I thought, what is wrong with me? Or what is wrong with this picture? I spent all day watching football and all night make, baking apple pie. And I thought, this is, and, and you know, God brought this to my mind, though, that I don't have to be just a football fan, right? I don't have to just be masculine all the time. I don't have to just be one note. There's different parts of me that God made for a very specific purpose. He made me the way I am to be who I am to fulfill the role in the church that he made me to fulfill. And if I deny parts of that and I say, well, you know, I, 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 I don't like this about me or I'm going to just hide this about me, you're going to start missing parts of the puzzle that God created you to fill. So number one, we are different on purpose. Not only are we different on purpose, I want you to understand this. Your differences have purpose. So first, you're different on purpose and your differences 
have purpose. There's a reason that you're different. There's a purpose for your differences. And the first thing we need to understand as we look at this passage, we're going to look at verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Then he goes on and he talks about if you have prophecy, then do it to the proportion of faith. Or in other words, do it to the best of your ability. Fulfill the potential of that gift that God's given you. He goes on. He says, <clears throat> If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in exhortation. Now listen to this. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he goes on to say, And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Here's what he's saying. You have been given different gifts to fulfill the body of Christ. And those different gifts you need to fulfill their p- potential. You need to fulfill the potential that those gifts have given to you, uh, are given to you. So those differences that we have on purpose, the first thing we want to realize is that our differences are gifts given by the grace of God. Our differences are gifts given to us by the grace of God. So even your failures, even your weaknesses, let me tell you something. Some of the dumbest things I ever did as a kid and as a, as a teenager have allowed me to be the biggest minister that I've ever been in my life. I mean that. There have been kids that were on the, on the brink of suicide that I could go back and show them the failures in my life and say, listen, God's not done with you. There's still more for you. You know, we sang that song, All My Hope Is In Jesus. And I, I want you to realize, when, he, when we sing that, those words, thank God that yesterday's gone, man, that should hit you. Because if that doesn't hit you, what that tells me is that you've forgotten what you used to be. I'm not telling you to keep saying and being who you used to be. But who you used to be was only changed by the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and changed who you are the day that you accepted Him as your Savior. Nothing else. wasn't because you tried harder. wasn't because of a new group of friends. wasn't because you did your best. It was because Jesus changed you. And we need to remember that because that's going to draw us back to the cross. And that's going to remind us that those around us need the cross just as much as we do. I want to tell you this too. Those failures, when you remember those failures... It's a lot harder to be judgmental when someone else fails. We're not called to be judge and jury and executioner. We're called to love and we're called to serve the Lord and bring glory to Him. That's what we're called to do. And so first, we understand that our gifts, our, our, our differences are gifts given by the grace of God. Not only that, we are called to use our differing gifts for the glory of God. We're called to use those gifts for the glory of God. We have a calling, each and every one of us have a calling from God to use the gifts that he's given us to use. We are to use those gifts. If God made you a baker, bake some pies, right? That's, uh, that's me, sorry. No one else got excited. I was hoping for a cheer. Yeah, bake those pies. No. They're like, no, you're weird. Why, why at midnight at least anyway? But I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answers. I wish I did. But if God made you, uh, honestly, if God made you a cook, listen, we've got senior adult luncheon. You can help out. God made you a server, senior senior at lunch, and we're still there. God made you to love kids. Guess what? We got a nursery. We've got Kid Zone. We got Bible Explorers Club. By the way, Bible Explorers Club, we're averaging 12 to 15 kids a night. There's four of us in there. We're losing our minds. Come help us in Bible Explorers Club. It's a great time. God's bringing kids from our neighborhood. Things are happening here at First Baptist Church, and He wants you to be a part of it. But if you want to be a part of it, you've got to use the different gifts that God's given you. I'm not asking you to come preach. I'm not asking you to 
necessarily uh, teach a Sunday school class. I'm not necessarily asking you to do anything that's outside of your comfort zone at all. I'm asking you to use the gifts that God's given you for the benefit of the kingdom. I think that we've probably got some people that play some instruments in here. We've probably got some people that sing in here. God's calling you to use those gifts for his glory. You say, how do you know? He gave you the gifts. If you have the gifts, he gave them to you to use for his purpose. If you're not using them for his purpose, you know what? The, the, the parable of the talents, what happened? He took those talents away. I don't think he said talents by accident. I don't think talents was a, a coincidental word. I think if God gives you talents here on earth and you don't give them back to him, you might be losing those talents. So now we have different gifts that are given by the grace of God. We have different gifts, uh, differences in our lives that are gifts by the grace of God. We're called to use those different gifts for his glory. But not only that, also we should use our differing gifts to their full potential. To their full potential. That's what he said at the end. If you give, give with liberality. If, you're, uh, if you are uh, prophesying, or in other words, if you're foretelling the word of God, if you're telling forth the word of God, do it to the best of your ability. Get out there and speak what God's given you to speak. Get out there and use the gifts that God's given you. And it extends even beyond just these words here. If you are an athlete, guess what? I coach basketball at the Y uh, just because it gives me an opportunity to interact with young families and interact with kids and be a role model in lives. It's a way that God gave me an ability and I can take that ability and plug it back into something he can use. You know what? I, I've done some... Uh, different things, uh, you know, and my, my abilities are different than yours, but God gifted you with abilities that you have opportunities to plug into our church body and to also reach outside of these walls using those abilities. Use those gifts to their full potential. So not only <coughs> are we different on purpose, and our differences have purpose, but I want you to know this one, this is the challenge today, is that you have to purpose to be different. So we are different on purpose, those differences have purpose, but you have to purpose to be different. You've got to choose to be different. You have to make it a priority in your life to be different, or else, guess what? You're just going to be a lost puzzle piece. Never plug it into the puzzle. So the puzzle suffers. The, God, the body of Christ suffers. You suffer because you never fulfill the potential that God created you to fulfill. You never know the feeling of doing exactly what God called you to do. You never know the feeling of fulfilling and completing the plan that God's given you in, in your life. Instead, you just wonder, why in the world am I the way that I am? You know, our world is wrought with depression and anxiety and frustration. And almost all of those things, almost every situation, you can point back and understand, if they had a relationship with Christ and were plugged into a body of believers, those fears, anxieties, and depressions would be gone because they would have a place to be. You know, I'll even share with you about myself. I am an odd duck. I'll tell you. You guys haven't figured it out already. I'm telling you too much about myself today. The worst thing I could do is give Mariah a microphone, then you'd know even more, but I'll not do that. Um, the, worst, the, worst, uh, the worst thing about me, I say the worst thing about me, but this is something God's used in my life as well, is I am an introverted, an outspoken introverted person. You say, you're introverted, that's weird. I know that's weird. I'm up here speaking on a regular basis. I teach classes on a regular basis. I reach out to strangers on a regular basis, but that's all very much outside of my comfort zone. I was the kid, okay, so you got a picture. When we were traveling around as, as uh, missionaries, I was the kid that mom would say, go shake hands and be nice. This was my smile, and you're going to laugh. I, this was my smile from the ages of 8 to 12. 
super nervous, uncomfortable, elbows stuck to my side, lips stuck together. Hi, I'm John. And walk back. That was it. That's the most you could get out of me because I was so uncomfortable. You say, well, what changed? God put me in a purpose and a plan. In fact, I'll tell you this. I grew up knowing, uh, oh, I didn't understand this, but I learned this as I got older. I either have to have a purpose, a place, or a person that I'm comfortable with, okay? So in a regular social setting, if I don't know anybody, and I don't have a job, and there's no place that's mine, I'm hiding. You will find me in the bathroom, or in a coat room, or somewhere where there's not people, because I need one of those things to feel comfortable. Now here's what happened in my life. I have a purpose, because Christ made me who I am to fulfill a purpose in his plan. I have a place with God's people as my home. It's where I'm supposed to be. And I have a person because Jesus Christ in my life is always there. He's the, he's the shoulder I can always lean on. He's the person I can always talk to. I can always talk about my frustrations. And you would think I was absolutely crazy if you heard some of the prayers that I pray. Dear Lord, I feel really nervous about this. Help me with this or this thing. And it would be something that you would say, why are you nervous about that? I don't know, but I know that Christ helps me with that. Christ steps into that void where I need him. I want you to understand, you are made exactly the way you are, and it's not by accident. It's not some, some fluke or some genetic mutation or some chemical interaction with, the, with the, uh, the, the cells that you are. It is the way that God planned you to be exactly the way you are. So what about people that have um, uh, physical disorders or have disabilities or have things that are, are, are not ideal. Why do those have those? Why do people have those? Let's tell you something. If you've, ever <coughs> if you've ever personally interacted or known, for example, anybody with Down syndrome, you want to know someone that can impact your life in a completely life-altering way more than anyone else? Is somebody with Down syndrome that still loves life, still loves the Lord, still serves God. Because you know what you see? They have difficulties, but God still made them for a purpose. And God's still fulfilling the purpose in their life. Whether you're full of weaknesses or you just can't think, man, why am I the way that I am? Let me tell you something. You're the way that you are because God needed you for a purpose. Now here's your choice. Here's your choice. You're going to be who you are regardless. There's no change in it. If, if you could change it, I would no longer be bald or fat while we're at it. If I, if I could do it, we'd wipe those two things out. I'm good besides that. But you can't change, well, I could change one of those, but you can't change who you are. If Leah would let me get a toupee, I could change two of those, but hey, you know, talk to her about that, I don't know. But you cannot change the personality that God's given to you. You can't change the abilities that God's given to you. Here's your choice. Am I going to keep them to myself and hide them away and just hide in the corner and try not to be seen? Or am I going to purpose to be different. Here's what we're going to look at. The first thing that we have to do to purpose to be different is that we must continually present ourselves to God. We must continually present ourselves to God as living sacrifice. Now let me tell you something. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's step one. That's number one. That's the beginning of the relationship. Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins, and that was his proposal to us as a sinful people. He said, I want you to be my child. I want to be your Savior. He was on one knee, well, really, he was on the cross, but he was proposing and saying, will you be my child? That's step one. So, so Christ died on the cross. Now we have a choice to make in life. Am I going to say yes to that or am I going to say no? That's the moment of salvation. 
If you've never chosen, if you've never said, yes, Lord, I want to be your child. Come into my heart, forgive my sins, and and help me to walk with you. That's step one, because that's the beginning of that marriage, of that relationship of Savior and saved. That's the beginning of that relationship, but it doesn't stop there. This is what Paul's talking about. He goes on, he says, that we are continually to present ourselves a living sacrifice. Now let me tell you something, you don't get saved every day. One time you get saved and that's for eternity. But Paul regularly said, every day you have to rededicate. Every day. And you know, I always think it's funny. I think even on our decision cards it says, rededicate my life. But really that should be every morning. So if we're really really accurate with those cards, every one of us should be here every Sunday rededicating our lives. Because guess what? We're humans and we're faulty and we need to be reminded and reminded and reminded. Paul said this, he said, I die daily. Or in other words, I crucify the flesh on a daily basis so that I can follow Christ. Not only that, he also said that his mercies are new every morning. As you look in the Old Testament, you saw (coughs) Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel went in the lion's den because he chose to pray to God every day. Was that so he would be saved? No, that was so he could have a relationship with Christ that was real and ongoing. Let me tell you something. If you're not actively, continually presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to God, that's why you're not fitting in the puzzle. Because let me tell you something. When you ask God, God, what can I do today to fulfill your purpose in my life? He's going to give you some things to do. He's going to put some people in your path. He's going to put some tasks in your path. I've shared with you before, on a regular basis, God will test my resolve to follow him. Here's the way. It always happens this way. I'll be driving down the road, never fails the other direction from the person that needs help. And there will be a car broke down on the side of the road, or a person with a flat tire that I, I can clearly see they, you know, they've got like a screwdriver out trying to undo, undo the, the, the lug nuts, and I know they need help, and nobody else is stopping. And here's the bad thing. I'm a believer, I'm a pastor, I've been a believer for a long time, and never fails, I will always continue driving, and then God has to continually convict me. Block number one, I'm like, God, I'm so far away now, I don't, you know, someone's priority there, and I get to block number two away from it, and he's like, hey, listen, they might need me, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a U-turn, go do a U-turn, come back. The last time this happened, I was leaving um, Staples, so going out on Beneva, and there was a car, uh, so I was in the left turn lane, going out on Beneva, and a car pulled up, battery died, uh, two ladies jump out, and like, they're just like tapping on the engine, like, this will start it up. And so uh, I get up, and I pass the turn, I have to do all this U-turn, anyway, I get around, get back to them, after I've already had my wrestling match with God, and told them, you know, I don't really need to help them, they got it figured out. Get over there, tighten up their battery cable, Get them going, and always, if God's called me to do it, and I'm going to get out and fix someone's battery, I'm going to invite them to church. And so I started, I, I looked in the window and kind of leaned in and said, hey, I'm a pastor down here at one of these churches. Before I finish the sentence, the lady says, we're not church people, see you later, hits the gas. I'm on the window, like, fall off the window. At this point, the light is green, and now just my car is sitting there with the flashers on, and I'm standing in the middle of the road about 20 yards away, and walking to it, and I've got three people leaving Costco on their, you know, heavy, very uh, tightly regimented schedule. They've got to get where they're going right now, honking at me as I'm like, all right, Lord, why did I have to get out this time? Because I'm not seeing the purpose. But here's the thing. I don't have to see the purpose. You know what? Maybe those ladies got home and thought, well, 
That was kind of mean of me to just drive away when he was still leaning in the window. Or maybe, maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe it was someone that was watching from afar. And maybe there was a situation where, where it wasn't even who I thought I was helping that I was really helping. But here's the question. Are you going to be willing to do what God calls you to do, even if it's inconvenient? Even if it seems odd? For me, more times than not, it's not about the time. It's not about inconvenience. It's about the awkwardness. Because about half the time, they'll say, no, I'm good. Just leave me alone. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just drive away. One time I had pulled up to a guy. He was trying to fix a fence. And, uh, and I start to walk onto his yard because it looked like the fence had been blown over. He was trying to pick it up. And so I parked my car and I start to walk over. He said, take another step and I'll shoot you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm leaving then. I won't help you with your fence. I'm going to go home now. So that's New Hampshire. Be afraid when you're in New Hampshire. But anyhow, <laughs> the point is this. If I don't purpose to live for God on a daily basis, those things may not even stick out to me. How many times do we drive by someone in need? How many times do we walk past someone that needs help and don't even think? And I know I do it myself. If I'm not walking with the Lord, I'm not even seeing those opportunities to spread the gospel. But if we choose to, to present ourselves every day to God, He's going to open those doors. Not only are we supposed to continually present ourselves to God, secondly, we're also, uh, we must not be conformed, but instead we must be transformed. I want you to understand, sorry, I skipped one. I skipped one, I just saw it. Um, that continual offering of a sacrifice is that, I want you to understand, and I don't want to miss this, is that this is the ultimate, the ultimate act of worship. In fact, this could have just been, uh, uh, this, this is actually translated in other versions as, this is your true act of worship. Or in other words, this is true worship. Coming to church on Sunday and singing, that's good. I'm glad it's, it's, it's beneficial, it's praise, you should be doing it. But unless that is an outpouring of your commitment to Christ, that's not worship. Unless you are pouring out of your life that you have committed to Christ this praise, that's not truly worship. Because the Bible says, pure worship and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to, to, love, your neighbor, uh, to, to love the widows and the orphans and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Or in other words, here's what he's saying. Serve when you need to serve and love me more than you love anything else. This is being committed to Christ. This is presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. So no matter what the rest of the things you're doing that you think make you a good person, if you're not committed to Christ, you cannot, you cannot be worshiping Him. If you're not presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to Him, there is no way that you're truly worshiping Him. It says this is your ultimate act of worship. Moving on from there, not only are we to present ourselves as living sacrifice, we also must not be conformed, but instead be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He says that here, uh, we're going to look in verse number 1 uh, of chapter 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He goes on, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're going to talk about this renewing of your mind a little bit further as well. But I want you to know that being transformed is a result of a renewed mind. Now, we're going to, I'm going to tell you where you get this renewed mind in just a minute. But this is also an ongoing, continual action. This is not a one-time thing. It's not, I'm saved, now my mind is renewed, I should be good from now on. This is a daily commitment that I'm going to renew my mind and remind myself. And, he, and if you look at the passage, what he's really saying is, remind myself that I'm not all that I think I am. 
And then when I get down, remind myself that I have a purpose in God's plan. And also remind myself that everything that I am, to renew my mind, is to know that everything that I am is because of Jesus Christ. I'm nothing on my own. I'm only His. And so he says that we must not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I want you to understand that that transformation is a transformation from selfishness to a transformation of love. Right? It's a, and even a step further, it's a transformation from lust to love. So lust is I have a desire, or I have a need, and I'm going to fulfill it at all costs. That's lust. Right? That's selfish lust. Love is I have a need to love others, and that's going to be the priority of my life. Let me tell you something. If you start living your life out of love, the world will take notice. The people in your job will take notice. The people in your community will take notice. The people you interact with will take notice because it's not the norm anymore. The norm is when a guy's out there trying to help somebody's, uh, fix somebody's uh, battery to honk at him because he's not getting back in his car fast enough, right? The norm is uh, my time's most important. Yours doesn't matter. Get out of my way. I want to do what I want to do. That's the norm, right? But when you do simple things like hold a door for somebody, right? So like if you hold the door at Costco, that's a 45-minute endeavor, just so you know. Once you sign up, you're in. you got to do it. You're there for the long haul. You're not jumping out until that whole line gets through. But holding the door for somebody else seems like a really small thing. But in our world, it's very rare. In our world, it's about me first. In fact, have you ever come in a door behind somebody and they do the little sneaky move and they pull the door just enough to fit their body and like slide through and let it shut. And I'm like, that took more effort than if you just open the door all the way and let people behind you come in. How many of you have seen somebody do that? That is like, man, that, that is God testing my patience and my kindness and, and my commitment to him. That's what happens then. But we can do some simple things. You know what? Give in a parking space to someone who, you know, might have a more difficult time than you getting to the front door. That's pretty simple. That's pretty easy. But when you show love in your everyday life, you know, the world calls it now random acts of kindness. It's not really random acts of kindness. It's love that pours out of a heart that's committed to Christ. That's what it should be. That's a transformed and renewed mind. That's it. Simple as that. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be the same as everybody else. Be different by the renewing of your mind. But not only that, the third thing I want you to get here <coughs> is that all of these things are results of the faith that God has given to each of us. I want you to see this. Let's look in verse number three. <coughs> um, it says, for, though, uh, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think uh, as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Here's what he says. You are supposed to think humbly. Okay, And here, here's the next part down there. When we live by faith, we have a renewed mind, Humble thoughts and attitudes and sound judgment. Here's what he says. When we have faith in Christ, when we live by faith in Christ, when we're committed to the love of Christ, when we're committed to following Christ, and we live in the will of Christ, three things God adds to us just through that process are these three. That, that the result is going to be that we have uh, a renewed mind, humble thoughts and attitudes, and sound judgment. You say, well, what, is, what does all that mean? What is, why is that important? We just talked about the renewed mind. If you want to be different than the world, you've got to be committed to Christ. There's no other way. You can fake it for a while. Try it. Try being a good person for a while. It will only last till somebody finds the right button to push. You want to know when you have really been changed by Christ is when somebody finds that right button to push and you can still lean on Him. And you can still not respond. And you can still respond in the right way. 
Listen, I, I am not a calm person. Um, but, but there are some people in this room that have witnessed me overcoming some pretty uh, vicious attacks. So, so being a coach at the YMCA is a full contact job. I'll just make you, make you aware of that. My daughter one time, she, uh, when we left this one certain Saturday, she said, Dad, I thought you were going to die today. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't think it was that serious. But I can remember uh, I, I had told another coach to calm down. Those were the words I said, just calm down. And I said it in a kind tone and a nice way. I wasn't being judgmental. I was just trying to get him to think about what was going on. This guy got in my face. And, and I'll, I'll just, he was probably 5'3", and probably 125 pounds, and he was pushing me. He said, let's take this outside. I was like, listen, man, I, I don't want to take anything outside. I don't want to fight. I just want you to think about when we're coaching these guys, we're an example to them. If you're yelling and screaming, what are they going to know to do when they have trouble in life? And, oh, because you're perfect. I was like, I didn't say I was perfect, but I'm clearly not yelling in your face right now. And anyway, I'll tell you right now. In high school, as a, young, as a college student, give you an example. In Bible college, when we're all learning about Christ, someone threw a volleyball at my face and I spent 45 minutes chasing them around campus with full intention to make their face look like that volleyball. Luckily, they were faster than me, so I got to finish Bible college. It didn't happen. But I'm not built naturally to say, oh, well, I'll just back off. But you know what? The guy was pushing my buttons, and in that moment, a small voice in my head, and it wasn't, it wasn't an audible thing, but I knew the Spirit of Christ said, this is your opportunity to be a witness. This is your opportunity. What's it going to show? And I could even see, uh, you know, and this is probably my visual mindset, but I saw the, the, you know, the headline, pastor of local church punches guy in face at YMCA game. Like that, that's probably not the testimony that we want plastered across First Baptist Church. And so God even though my buttons were getting pushed, even though the guy was doing all the things that he needed to do to test my patience, God made the difference. Let me tell you something. You want to know when you'll really be transformed? Your buttons don't work anymore. You can push all the buttons you want, but Christ is the most important thing. Now let me tell you something. That's not a permanent thing. You don't get to just switch those buttons off and be, be good forever. It's an ongoing thing. That's why Paul says, that's why we're told here in Romans, continually present yourself a, a living sacrifice continually renew your mind continually walk by faith because the moment that you start walking by yourself that you start walking in the flesh those buttons come back on let me tell you they come back on and they still work and you'll still respond the same way that a human responds you want to chant you want to respond the way that christ would want you to respond be influenced by christ on a daily basis all right so we've got our question here i told you we wanted to answer a pretty simple question and here it is <laughs> the question once again was this is there a place and purpose for me in this world is there a specific place and purpose for me in this world here's the answer the answer is yes all right i i, I know that's probably a spoiler right you didn't think it was going to be yes you thought it was going to be no just give up now quit life no the answer is yes and the, the answer is that your individual gifts traits and qualities are tailored by god to fit his specific plan for your life and his specific role in his church you're created to live the life that God created you to live. You're created to fill the spot that God created you to fill here. I want you to be thinking, am I filling a spot in God's church? Do I feel, do, do I know on a daily basis that I'm walking the life that God wants me to walk? Let me tell you something, there's nothing more peaceful, there's nothing more tranquil, there's nothing more exciting 
than knowing that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And I'm not preaching this because I want something from you. I'm preaching this because I want something for you. I want you to know that peace. I want you to know that fulfillment. I want you to know that completion that God plans in your life. Let's all stand and, and, and let's bow as we pray. I want you to be considering what is it that God has for me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you so much for having a plan for us, God. I thank you for the weird little idiosyncrasies that you've given each and every one of us. I thank you for making us with a specific plan that you have created only us to fulfill, God. I pray, Lord, that you just help us to be faithful, to seek you, and to follow you, Lord, and to live by faith so that you can do the work in our lives to fulfill the plan that you have for our lives. God, I pray that you just help us to follow you in a way that's real, in a way that's life-changing, God. Lord, I also pray if there's anybody in this room, God, that has never accepted you as their Savior, Lord, that they would know today, God, that you are calling them. God, that you died on the cross to invite them to a life of salvation, a life of peace, a life of purpose that only comes with salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there's anybody here today that has never prayed and asked for your forgiveness of sins and asked for you to come and to make them new, God, that they would choose today to come forward and talk to somebody about that purpose in their life. God, also, if there's anybody in this room, Lord, that is saved and they know that they're following you, but God, they're just not filling that part of the plan that you've called them to fill. They're just not in the puzzle. Lord, they just don't see where they fit. God, I pray that you'd just help them to live a life that is daily sacrifice to you. God, and not only daily sacrifice to you, but renewed on a daily basis by you. God, I pray that you just help us to be transformed from what we once were and to be followers of you in a way that, Lord, changes not only who we are, but God changes those around us, changes our church, God, and it ultimately changes the world. God, I pray that you just help us to be committed to you Help us to follow you. Lord, I pray that you just help your word to sink into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.